Hi, this is Father Neil here, and welcome to the July 19th episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. Today we look at numbers 1575 through 1580 of the Catechism. 5. Who can confer the sacrament? 1575. Christ himself chose the apostles and gave them a share in his ministry and authority. Raised to the Father's right hand, he has not forsaken his flock, but he keeps it under the constant protection through the apostles and guides it still through these same pastors who continue his work today. Thus it is Christ whose gift it is that some be apostles, others pastors. He continues to act through the bishop. 1576. Since the sacrament of holy orders is the sacrament of the apostolic ministry, it is for the bishops as the successors of the apostles to hand on the gift of the Spirit, the apostolic line, validly ordained bishops, that is, those who are in line of apostolic succession, validly confer the, the three degrees of the sacrament of holy orders. 6. Who can receive the sacrament? 1577. Only a baptised man, ver, validly receives sacred ordination. The Lord Jesus chose men, viri, to form the college of the twelve apostles. And the apostles did the same when they chose collaborators to succeed them in their ministry. The college of bishops, with whom the priests are united in the priesthood, makes the college of the twelve an ever-present and ever-active reality until Christ's return. The Church recognises herself to be bound by this choice made by the Lord himself. For this reason, the ordination of women is not possible. 1578. No one has the right to receive the sacrament of holy orders. Indeed, no one claims this office for himself. He is called to it by God. Anyone who thinks he recognises the signs of God's call to be ordained must humbly submit his desire to the authority of the Church, who has the responsibility and right to call someone to receive orders. Like every grace, the sacrament can be received only as an unmerited gift. 1579. All the ordained ministers of the Latin Church, with the exemption of the permanent deacons, are normally chosen from among men of faith who live a celibate life and who intend to remain celibate for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, called to consecrate themselves with undivided heart to the Lord and to the affairs of the Lord. They give themselves entirely to God and to men. Celibacy is a sign of this new life, to the service of which the church's minister is consecrated, accepted with a joyous heart, celibacy radiantly proclaims the kingdom of God. 1580. In the Eastern churches, a slightly different discipline has been in force for many centuries. While the bishops are chosen solely from among celibates, married men can be ordained as deacons and priests. This practice has long been considered legitimate. These priests exercise a fruitful ministry within their communities. Moreover, priestly celibacy is held in great honour in the Eastern church and many priests have freely chosen it for the sake of the kingdom of God. In the East, as in the West, a man who has already received the sacrament of holy orders can no longer marry. Okay, very good. So this section on um, who can confer the sacrament and who can receive the sacrament. Obviously, we've seen before, only the bishop can confer the sacrament. I suppose what's very contentious is this page 
that we just read now from 1577 to 1580. And these are two of the biggest things that people have difficulty accepting in the Catholic Church. One is the fact that the Catholic Church believes that she only has the authority to ordain men and not women. And again, I don't have the time. We could argue about it for hours. But it's basically, 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 the point of the Catholic Church is she did not decide what the sacraments would be like. Jesus Christ instituted the sacraments. The seven sacraments were instituted by Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ chose to only ordain men. And again, we saw before that there is a difference between men and women. They're not the same. And this is one of the places where the Catholic Church really is in um, a different uh, place to, to the world. Now, in today's world, they're beginning to push this idea of gender to say that there is no difference between a man and a woman. Though you choose yourself whether you want to be a man or whether you want to be a woman. The Catholic Church says no. That you are either a man or you are a woman. That God creates people to be a man or a woman. And that each individual has a specific calling. And among the men, some of these are called to be priests. That Jesus Christ could have done things differently. He could have. In fact, many of the, many of the religions around Israel had female priests. Many of the pagan religions. In fact, most of the in fact, in the year, in the time of Christ, most pagan priests, more pagan priests, nearly were women than men. And yet, Jesus, following the tradition of Israel, decided only to have men among his apostles, and these decided only to have men as uh, their own successors, the bishops, and their collaborators, the priests, and the deacons. And there was no um, trace of women being ordained in the early church. I know somebody will bring out a book saying it, and every so often you get somebody saying, well, actually, uh, I don't know, that, the two, uh, that one of the apostles was actually a transvestite or something. I mean, if you want to sell a beautiful book and make a lot of money, you come out with a theory like that, except it's basically... It's a lovely theory. The only problem is it's not true. And the Catholic Church bases her teaching on reality. And the reality is that people cannot choose to become priests. That perhaps, as we were seeing, I think it was yesterday, the priest is meant to be a servant. Anybody in holy orders is meant to be a servant of the church, especially the deacon, but also the bishop and the priest. And perhaps we haven't emphasised the service enough and people see it as a position of power. But in reality, in the church, Jesus is in charge and he decides. And he decided. Then we can have all sorts of different uh, I, I, attempts to give an explanation for this decision. That the whole, um, I suppose, nuptial meaning of the human body, this whole theology of the body that John Paul II wrote about so beautifully, is one of these attempts to explain the difference in the sexes, the difference in the genders. But really what we're dealing with in the Catechism is the fact that Jesus instituted a sacrament that only men could receive and that the Church does not have the authority. Because remember, 
the Catholic Church is not a democracy. The Pope does not have, sure, the Pope has a lot of authority, he can do a lot of things in the Church, but what he cannot do is he cannot change anything that Jesus left. And this is one of the things that Jesus left, therefore the Pope has no authority to change it. And anyway, um, I suppose the other thing that we see very clearly in the Catechism in 1579 is this this, um, celibacy. That in the Latin Church, that all bishops and priests are celibate. They're called to be celibate, which means not to be married, which is different from being a bachelor. It's not that the priest should be a bachelor and live a bachelor lifestyle and live uh, a pampered existence, not at all, but to be free for the church, like Christ himself. Christ himself was not married, and the bishop and the priest are not married. To live this presence in the world, this witness to the world, that is something very important. I know today many people are saying, we need married priests, we need married priests, we need married priests. But honestly, I don't think it would fix anything and probably would create many more problems. And that Catholic Church has always had this link between celibacy and the priesthood. I know many of the history books, and if you if you base your opinions on the New York Times or the Irish Times, if that's where you go for your theology, they'll say that celibacy was invented by the Church to stop inheritance problems in the Middle Ages, which is basically baloney. It's not true. From the earliest centuries, even from the scripture itself, there is this preference for uh, a celibate priest in the earliest centuries that when you were um, choosing priests and bishops from among those who entered the church as adults, as adult catechumens, many times, yes, the bishop was a married man, many times, but it was understood in these centuries from the very beginning that yes, he might be married, but from the moment he was ordained, he, yes, he would still be married, but that he would live as brother and sister with his wife. He wouldn't have any more intimate relations with his wife. Then after a few centuries that they had been doing this, and many of the great fathers of the church were married, but they were not living in intimacy with their, li- with their wives once they, once they received the sacrament of holy orders. Then um, when you began to have, um, I suppose, Christendom, where everybody was already baptised at birth, then they said, like, why bother have being married for a few years and then become a priest? Much better for somebody to be celibate and to become a priest straight, straight away. And so things changed a little in that sense. But the link between celibacy and the priesthood was there from the beginning. And so this is something that is a treasure of the Catholic Church something that should be defended because God is powerful. And sure, it might be hard to be celibate, like it's hard to be married, like it's hard to live any form of the Christian life. And yet, with Jesus Christ, all things are possible. It is possible for somebody to be celibate. It is possible for somebody to give themselves completely. And this is what the sacrament is about. So really, this is where we are. And uh, as I say, these were two very contentious things that were dealt with. But, um, but that's fine. I mean, again, the catechism deals with things in small chunks. And uh, people are free then to go 
and to look for the theology, to look for a bigger, deeper explanation uh, that they can find in different in different places. But the Catechism will just in a paragraph say the teaching of the Church and then it leaves it up to theologians, to catechists to defend this teaching. So tomorrow we'll continue and tomorrow we'll look at uh, 1581 through 1589. God bless.